Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. On October 25, 1994, Susan Smith took stock of her life. It was, for want of a better word, a mess. She was a 23-year-old single mother of two young boys, 3-year-old Michael and 14-month-old Alexander. She'd recently separated from her husband, and her new boyfriend had just told her he didn't want anything to do with her. After work, she picked the boys up from daycare, took them home, fed them pizza, And then, around 7.30 p.m., she put them into their car seats in the back of her Mazda and drove out into the night. This was in the quiet community of Union, South Carolina, a safe place to raise a family, little crime. And so the local police must have been suspicious immediately when, later that night, Susan reported that her children had been kidnapped by a black man who'd hijacked her car at an intersection and threatened her with a gun. The black man then made her drive to a secluded lake where he kicked her out of the car and drove off with her children. If you want the attention of the entire state of South Carolina, tell them that a black man stole your babies. For the next several days, Michael and Alexander's photos were at the top of every newspaper, the beginning of every newscast, and every single night, Susan pleaded on national TV for the scary black man to return her boys. This was in the days before social media, so there really was no place for people to gather and express their doubts about Susan's story. Local radio, maybe. So most of us believed her, but the police never did. The story just didn't add up. On November 3rd, Susan finally broke down and confessed. She'd driven out to John D. Long Lake and sunk the car with Michael and Alexander inside, she told them. Sure enough, divers discovered the car 122 feet offshore. A small hand was still pressed up against the back window. And then the country turned on Susan Smith. She became the embodiment of evil, public enemy number one. 
The trial came quick, and it seemed only a matter of time before Susan would be sentenced to die. Enter Judy Clark. You know that actor, Cherry Jones? She played the cop in that movie, Signs, and Matt Damon's mom in Ocean's 12. If they ever make a movie about Judy Clark's life, Cherry Jones would play her. They have a similar look and swagger. Clark is a lawyer, a particularly good one. She's the kind who represents the people society deems to be so evil, they're not worthy of our mercy. Clark disagrees with this mob mentality. Clark represented Susan Smith at trial. Her goal was not to win the case. Susan had confessed, after all. Her goal was to keep Susan Smith off death row. Clark is fiercely opposed to the death penalty, saying legalized homicide is not a good idea for a civilized nation. This is not a case about evil, Clark told the jury. This is a case about despair and sadness. Susan, she said, was suffering from depression from the trauma of her childhood. Her father had committed suicide. Susan herself had attempted to kill herself as a teen, and she had been sexually abused by her stepfather for years. Clark was so good, she actually got the stepfather to admit to the abuse on the stand. The breakup with her boyfriend was the straw that broke the camel's back. And in her despair, Susan Smith had driven out to the lake to kill herself and to take her boys with her. Only, when the water slipped in, her survival instinct activated, and she escaped the car, but was unable to get her kids out. The story that Clark presented humanized Susan for the jurors, and they voted to not impose the death penalty. Susan Smith has now served nearly 30 years in prison and is up for parole in 2024. She may be a free citizen again one day soon, thanks to Judy Clark. Does that infuriate you? That's fine. It's okay to feel angry. It's a very human reaction to a story as tragic as the murders of two infants. Not here to change your mind. But... I'd like to unpack why it's necessary for guilty people to have good lawyers. Believe it or not, it's to protect you and me and anyone else who, through some terrible twist of fate, may be innocent of a crime for which everyone in the world thinks they're guilty. This is The Philosophy of Crime, and I'm your host, James Renner. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How do we determine guilt? Have you thought about it? It seems to me that the way we can determine guilt varies on setting of all things. Are we inside a courtroom or not? I have a small dog. His name's Brownie. He's a four-year-old shorty with brown and white fur and a wet black nose. When it comes to Brownie, I can determine guilt simply by looking at his face. If I come back to the couch to find an empty bag of chips and Brownie won't make eye contact with me, I know that motherfucker's guilty. There's no judge or jury and his punishment is mild. A stern word and no more treats that day. And even though I had no confession or direct evidence, I sleep easy that night, assured I did the right thing. We're certainly unconcerned about due process at public school, right? When I was in high school, a friend of mine removed all the balls from the computer mouses in the media arts lab. I think he did it just to hear the principal say, who took the mouse balls on the loudspeakers? When the principal offered a reward for the first person to route out the perp, it wasn't long before my friend was busted. With nothing more than hearsay as evidence, my friend was suspended for three days. Everyone knew he was guilty, after all. I mean, probably. Besides, what's the big deal about a three-day suspension? We can trade a lack of due process for such petty punishments. But when the punishment is severe, taking away a man's free will by putting him in a 7 by 10 foot cell for 25 years, or injecting him with poison until his heart stops beating, we thankfully require a more reliable process to determine guilt. That process is criminal law. Even still, our methods for determining legal guilt has evolved over time. A thousand years ago, we practiced trial by ordeal. This was guilt determined by the actions or inactions of the gods. If you've seen Game of Thrones, you understand one popular ordeal, that is trial by combat, where the person was found guilty if he died during a fight to the death. There is also something called cruentation, where the bodies of murder victims were wheeled into the courtroom in the belief that the dead body would spontaneously begin bleeding again in the presence of its murderer. Other courts had bowls of boiling metal, and the accused had to reach into it and retrieve a stone. If he was innocent, God would spare his hand. 
And everyone knows how you discover a witch. You tie her up and throw her into water. If she sinks and dies, she was not a witch. If she doesn't, she's guilty and is then burned at the stake. We're about a handful of generations out of these dark times, and it would probably take only a nudge to set us back to those superstitions. Look around you, man. Luckily, some intelligent people came along and got rid of trial by ordeal some time ago. For the moment, at least, legal guilt is determined by facts, by evidence, by 12 jurors who consider reasonable doubt. And still, we fall short. No matter how guilty a person may seem, sometimes the facts mislead. Sometimes jurors fail and innocent men go to prison. And that's the heart of this discussion. There is and there must always be a difference between legal guilt and actual guilt. A defendant may be guilty of sin, but the state still has the obligation to find him legally guilty. Because obviously guilty is not enough. Innocent people look obviously guilty all the time. Just ask Juan Catalan. Juan was a 24-year-old man living in the ganglands of Los Angeles in 2003. But he wasn't into the gang life. He worked at his father's shop. He was trying to be a decent father to his four-year-old girl and to do the right thing by his girlfriend. Sometimes he treated himself to a Dodgers game. Then one day as he was driving to work, he notices a car following him, so he pulls over and gets out. Immediately, he's surrounded by 20 men with guns. This would be the LAPD's special investigations section, also known as the Death Squad, for its habit of shooting and killing suspects during their arrests. They arrested Juan on the spot, and a few days later, he finally found out why. He was being charged with murder. He'd killed a teenage girl named Martha Puebla, they said. Witnesses had picked him out of a lineup, and a gang member had rolled on him. They had him dead to rights. Juan said he was innocent. Would you like to guess how seriously the LAPD considered the word of a Hispanic man from a working-class suburb in 2003? Luckily, Juan found a lawyer who took the case in spite of the damning evidence against him. That was Todd Melnick. Juan had a cousin who worked as a file clerk for Melnick, and if he'd gotten a public defender, he'd probably have died in prison. Juan told Melnick that on the night of the murder, he'd attended a Dodgers game. And there was one odd detail he recalled about that game. He remembered seeing a celebrity there, Super Dave Osborne. Super Dave was actually a character created by the actor Bob Einstein. Bob was a cast member on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And Melnick eventually learned that Curb Your Enthusiasm had shot a scene at the Dodgers game that very night for an upcoming episode. It was a long shot, but he tracked down Larry David and explained the situation. The whole thing was so absurd, it was like an episode of his show, and Larry seemed amused and willing to help. Melnick went into the editing booth, and they showed him all the footage, and in one shot, there was one, sitting in the stands, plain as day, just like he'd said. He couldn't have been in two places at once. He really was innocent. Sometimes, guilt is a tricky thing to suss out. But still, what about truly guilty people who confide in their attorneys that they really did do it? And let's forget about the fact that sometimes people claim responsibility for murders they didn't commit. Why should a lawyer continue to represent a person who they know is truly guilty of the crime? Why should they fight so hard to keep that person out of prison? 
Isn't that morally wrong? Actually, defense lawyers have an obligation to detach themselves from moral judgment. Part of their job is to protect the system for the innocent, even if it means helping some guilty people go free. They're not concerned with actual guilt, after all. It doesn't matter. What matters is legal guilt, and the state's obligation is to prove legal guilt. And if we ever give them a free pass, we're in a lot of trouble. So when a good lawyer knows they're representing a truly guilty person, they have to observe a certain moral nihilism for their own sanity and for the greater good of society. And to understand the importance of moral nihilism, we should know a little bit about the Australian philosopher J.L. Mackey. Mackey was born into the world of academia in 1917. His father was a professor at the University of Sydney, and his mother was a schoolteacher. Mackey himself graduated from the University of Sydney in 1938 and then traveled to England to study philosophy at Oxford, just as World War II broke out. During the war, he worked as a mechanical engineer and helped keep the Royal Army's equipment up and running. As soon as the war was over, Mackey became a professor of philosophy and continued writing on the subject until he died in 1981. Mackey, like many who witnessed the horrors of World War II, was an atheist. What room was there for a benevolent creator in a universe where such terror could exist? This brought him to the topic of objective morality, and Mackey eventually concluded that, man, there's just no such thing. How can there be objective morality in this universe when different cultures disagree on what is moral and what is not? Some cultures believe it's moral to have many wives. Some do not. Some believe it's immoral to eat bacon. Some believe a woman must remain covered up at all times. If objective morals existed in some bizarre liminal space, then there would be no disagreement between cultures. Morality, then, must be subjective, he reasoned. And that means it's really just made up. This became known as error theory, which suggests that every time someone assumes morality in an action, they are in error. Yeah, 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 but what about murder? Surely we can all agree it's always morally wrong to kill another human being. But then, wouldn't every execution be morally wrong? Also, the idea that murder is always wrong probably doesn't sit well with anyone who was drafted into Vietnam and had to kill or be killed in the jungle. Embracing moral nihilism and believing that there are no inherent morals is tricky business, isn't it? It's the mindset of serial killers, after all. Kind, intelligent people abide by our laws not because they're moral, but because it makes us feel good to treat others the way we would want to be treated. Most of us are not outright sociopaths. However, if your job is to defend a truly guilty person, it's nice to know that morality very well may be a made-up construct. Criminal defense attorneys rely on moral nihilism in order to sleep at night, comfortable in knowing that they have not gone against the nature of the universe. Over the years, I've met some really great defense attorneys practicing in Cleveland's criminal courts, and I can tell you whether they're Republican or Democrat, they're all cut from the same cloth. Even when representing guilty clients, the good ones show great empathy. I'm sure they have to compartmentalize the morality of it all, but that doesn't mean they don't feel it deeply. They know at the very least that they need to be there to protect due process for us all. Of course, 
In the history of defense lawyers, nobody has embraced moral nihilism quite like French attorney Isabelle Coutant-Payer. Coutant is a goddamn force of nature. She turned 70 this year, and in every photograph I've found, she's smiling and holding a cigarette in her hand. Even lung cancer is scared of her. She collects bad guys like some grandmothers collect Hummel figurines. Coutant was raised by her father after her parents split and attended a Catholic boarding school. She studied law at university and got a gig working bankruptcies after graduation. As a young attorney in France, Coutant was mentored by Jacques Vergis, who the New York Times described as a legendary defender of celebrity villains, known in some circles as the devil's advocate. Vergis defended the likes of Nazi Klaus Barbie and former Serbian leader Slobodan Milosevic. Since then, Coutant earned a similar reputation, representing Zacharias Musawi, the terrorist who would have been the 20th hijacker on 9-11, if not for being arrested a month before the attacks. She's also defended Holocaust denier Roger Garotti and serial killer Charles Sabraj. Oh, and she married one of the most notorious international terrorists of all time, Ilish Ramirez Sanchez, a.k.a. Carlos the Jackal, who's currently serving life in a French prison for more than a dozen murders. In an interview with journalist Jamie Fluke in 2018, Coutant spoke of her biggest regret, never having the chance to defend Osama bin Laden in court. Here's what she says. Many years before the killing of Osama bin Laden, under the Obama presidency in a program of fake breaking news, I was asked if I would accept to defend him if he appointed me in this case after he was arrested. Yes, she said. Of course she would accept the role, but only under the condition that President Bush was tried right alongside him for war crimes. A trial for Osama bin Laden. Could you imagine such a thing? It reminds me of that moment in Revenge of the Sith where Mace Window pulls his purple lightsaber on Emperor Palpatine. Young Anakin Skywalker says they have to bring the Sith Lord to trial, but Windows says he's simply too dangerous to be left alive and swings his sword. That's the moment where Anakin becomes Darth Vader, the moment he chops off Windows' hand. He makes the choice to save the obviously evil man in order to protect the rule of law. From a prison cell, Osama would have still been able to direct his operatives to an extent He'd have been made a political prisoner, a target, and an inspiration for further attacks. But by killing Osama without a trial, perhaps we damned ourselves. There is a thin line, after all, between being a patriot and being a terrorist. Your role is chosen by the enemy. And one day, perhaps they'll be in charge. Thankfully for now, we have defense attorneys who rely on a little moral nihilism to keep the wheels of justice turning. The Philosophy of Crime is a Fearful Symmetry production. This episode was recorded by Jeff Koval at the State Level Recording Studio in Fairlawn, Ohio. It was produced and edited by William Mankey. I'm James Renner. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out my new weekly podcast, True Crime This Week. William Mankey also writes the music for this podcast. Look for his other creations, including Genius Dice, wooden dice that will give an artful twist to your gaming night, and his new Dueling Pints drinking game. It's rock, paper, scissors on a pint glass. Both are available 
on Amazon. Until next time, remember, there's a simple but challenging solution to the epidemic of crime. If everybody took the time to make good friends with their neighbors, we would know when someone needs our help before they become a statistic. Don't be fearful of the world. Make friends and make it better. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.